Hello everyone and welcome to the 20th episode of Movie Dudes. I'm Phil. And I'm Alec. And today we're going to be talking about two movies. Uh, the first one being Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, directed by uh, Paul Schrader. And the second one being Patriotism, directed by Yukio Mishima in 1960... Something, I don't... 66? Alright, yeah. Um... So we're going to start by uh, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, and then we're going to uh, go into uh, patriotism. So, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters is a movie about the life of the famous Japanese author Yukio Mishima, um, who is an, an author, poet, uh, did many things in his career. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize. Um, and he's he's known for having certain like uh, kind of strange and sort of unique political uh, opinions and polit political views. And so this movie is a movie about his his life, but it's not your typical biopic. That's just like you know showing the 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 character's birth to to his death. It's a, a bit more complicated than that. Um, basically, the movie is. Divided into four parts, four chapters, obviously, that are all related to um, to some of his like beliefs and themes that he used a lot in his uh, in his uh, novels. Um, so I don't remember the. Ho uh, hold on, just a second. I'm gonna get my uh, my Blu-ray. Just to look at the at the manual. Right. <laughs> all right. Got it. Um. Should we? So I don't remember. Um, yeah. Should we delve a little bit more into context of who Mishima was and what he like? Basically, like not a, not a full life story, but kind of like cliff yeah, yeah, notes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So like. Yeah. Um, Yukio Mishima uh, was obviously, as we mentioned, a Japanese author um, who grew up raised by uh, his grandmother. Um. And I believe uh, he began writing, or he, he, at a very young age, started to have this fascination with death, uh, and specifically dying in a very honorable and glorious way. So when the when World War II mm -hmm. broke out, uh, he was you know I think he was like around the you know the he was the fighting age, the age to be in the army. So he went to go. Uh, get recruited into the army uh, but for some reason when he was there he faked having a tuberculosis condition um which he still i i believe up to up until his death he still doesn't know why he did that um but right after this he began to you know more more of his writings he would write like really famous books like uh confessions of a mask uh Secret or uh, not the secret of the golden temple, but I don't remember what's the name of the golden temple one, the beauty of the golden the temple? golden pavilion. Oh, the golden pavilion. That's right. Yeah, uh, he wrote that one and so many others, uh, and began to kind of so obviously after World War Two, Japan became to get or it began to get a little bit more uh, westernized, uh, even to the point where uh, the emperor. 
would declare himself as no longer a uh, deity uh, in the eyes of the Japanese people, which Mishima did not like. So he began yep. getting much more political to the point where he gathered some students from the local um, college and created his own private uh, army in the form of the of the shield society mm-hmm. um and i i don't know how long he had this private army until but i but on a very specific day not which sure, yeah. yeah which what, what was the day that he uh what what was the day in it, yeah uh no- november 25th 1970 yes so on that day mishima decided to gather uh, four of his most trusted uh, Shield Society members, and go um, to um, a government building and uh, take—I uh, don't quite know what his position was—but take a Japanese um, politician, yeah. uh, take a Japanese politician uh, hostage, uh, and yeah, he was like an army guy. Yeah. And go uh, up onto up onto the uh, balcony of the place and give a speech, calling for a revolution, a, a coup against the emperor, and to restore the old ways of the samurai. Um, directly after the speech, he would uh, he would uh, go into the uh, he would go back into the room where all of his mem- all the members of the shield society or you know the members of the shield society and the politician were. And proceed to commit a uh, harakiri or a uh, seppuku, as it's also known, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know a, a type of uh, ritual suicide that is very uh, a very honorable death typically for um, people of the or you know samurai. So that was you know the life of Yukio Mishima. After that, obviously, he was a very controversial figure in uh, in Japan. So much right. so that I also read that. The film Mishima: Life in Four Chapters uh, has never seen a release in Japan, uh, as well. Yeah. As well that a I believe a biography has never been released on Yukio Mishima over there, uh, because hmm. that's just that's just how controversial he is, and st- or he was and you know still is. But yeah, um, Mishima: Life in Four Chapters covers his entire life, but like Phil said, it's not. Uh, a very typical biopic because it goes over. No, no, no. It, it is in four sections. The first one being, um, being a. Hold on, I'm going to get. Beauty. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to get my Blu-ray as well, yeah. so I can read off the chap, <clears throat> the actual chapters. You have the Blu-ray as well. Yeah, I do. I got it uh, a little All while right. ago during one of the sales. I don't quite yeah. remember which one. Um. Uh, trying to oh yeah okay so I don't it's yeah all right it's divided into four chapters um which the first one beauty uh goes over uh you know it incorporates a good bit of Mishima's uh child or you know early childhood with a loose a- or a very a very condensed adaptation of his book The Temple of the Golden Pavilion. Um, the second one, which I don't remember the chapter name for, uh, um, 
Oh, fuck, what is it? Um, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, because I don't think it's anywhere in uh, the... No, it's not. I looked it up. It's not on in, on the Blu-ray, so now I'm going to go on the Criterion channel to look at the movie <laughs> itself. Because might as well at this point. Uh, right. Hold on. Um, just skipping through the credits. Uh, all right, got it. Um, so the, the second chapter is Art. And it's mm -hmm. an adaptation of his book, uh, Kyoko's House. Yes. Um, um, the third, the, what's the third chapter called? Then, then the yeah, the third one is Action. And it's an adaptation of his novel, uh, Runaway Horses. And yes. finally, the fourth chapter is called uh, Harmony of Pen and Sword. Which, which is... is pretty, pretty fucking cool name. Yeah, which is a really cool name, but is also the... Um, yeah. Instead of an adaptation of any book of his, it is a nearly beat for beat uh recreation of the events of November 25th 1970 mm -hmm. um so we get those you know four chapters throughout the entire movie um and i guess uh let's let's get into it <laughs> yeah all right so um right so that was your there, first time watching the movie that was my yes. second time watching it What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought it was right. amazing. Uh, but mm -hmm. a good a good part of that is because Yukio Mishima as a person really interests me. Um, I okay. I would probably yeah. say it go as far as to say is I'm I'm very fascinated by this man and what he believed and what he wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, and I. I think it is so interesting to see through through chapters like um through like through chapters like Golden Pavilion or Kyoko's House we get to see his his beliefs of like his warped view of uh, of beauty in a very strange way and we get to see um a lot of different things about like obviously the last it, it I guess you could kind of you could kind of take his uh, take like the first two and the last two chapters and not put them in the same category but kind of describe them in a similar way because the first two chapters mm -hmm. cover you know purely what he thinks about beauty and art but the last two are very much about his political beliefs uh, and the way he uh, admired the uh, way of the samurai um mm -hmm. But I like one of the one of the focal points of uh, chapter two, which I, I'm going to be jumping around a lot because it's just my right. mm -hmm. <laughs> my my head is very, very scrambled with this movie. Um, but right. One of the focal points of chapter two is obviously uh, the novel uh, Kyoko's House, which is a story about, uh, well, like, you know, at least what we know in the in the movie because i obviously haven't read kyoko's house i would like to i'd actually i would really like to read Same. some yukio mishima in the future yeah um i'm gonna try Ky to do that as well yeah oh yeah but kyoko's house is um this the story of this guy who enters a very strange relationship with this older woman uh that involves a lot of uh very very strange views on each other uh physically 
uh, and during that, during the you know intersplice throughout this adaptation, we get um, the the explanation, not really explanation, I guess, just kind of the uh, the ideas of like what Yukio Mishima did to himself during that time, which was he became a bodybuilder uh, purely because he wanted to have this, uh, you know, this uh, very defined body that he could show off to the world. Um, so, yeah, we get a lot of that. Um, I think I mentioned this a little earlier, and this was one of my one of my notes that I wanted to bring up more about Mishima and how it relates to, I guess, just a lot of his, you know, a lot of his stuff. And we're going to bring it up again during patriotism too, but ever since mm-hmm. uh, World War Two, he had this very, very, very pronounced fixation with death in such a way <laughs> that, uh, in, in such a way that it became pretty much the focus of every single one of his stories not every single one but a lot of them a lot of them are focused on death in some kind of way um but none you know none more so than uh the way that he you know thought of himself because he very much often said like he doesn't want to see himself uh he like he didn't want to see himself you know, get old, and he didn't want to see his body, uh, you know, deteriorate through the years. Um, so part of him always, I think, wanted to die young. Um, I don't know. It's it's all extremely interesting to me to watch all of this, but I guess yeah. um, to get into my notes about the movie itself, I really only have one about like the actual movie. Uh, in that I think uh, the way that the movie is pulled off visually is incredible. Um, because Ooh, yeah, the sets of the uh, you know of like the books or like the the book adaptations are all arranged in a much more like uh, stage configuration, like like you would see on mm-hmm. like a you know, like a theater stage. So, you know, it's like sets, um, the camera often like just moves around this little area that is meticulously put together. Um, one of my favorite shots, uh, is the, uh, during the golden pavilion where, uh, the massive, uh, you know, golden pavilion like opens up and like all the other stuff like pushes aside, like, like it would on a stage um mm-hmm. and i just think i think it's such an interesting obviously and also the colors the colors are great um but i think it's such an interesting yeah. way to um i guess frame your uh or it's, it's just such an interesting way to frame that side of the story it really creates such a like dreamlike place that I love, I loved watching, and I really can't wait to watch this movie again because I would yeah. love to take another look at that stuff. Um, but yeah. the other thing I really like is on the uh, opposite side of the coin, in which uh, we see the real life events of Mishima, um, 
in everything that is not November 25th, 1970, we get uh, it all in black and white and narrated by, uh, I, I believe his name is Ken Ogata, uh, the, uh, who, you know, uh, yeah. who, you know, plays Mishima. Um, and so, you know, we get this narrated uh, retelling of the pretty, like, important basics of his life. Um, then, obviously... November 25th, 1970 is all shot in color. Uh, well, those flashbacks are shot in black and white. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of really like all I had to say about the movie itself other than just, you know, it's, I think it's incredibly made. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And it also, uh, it, it, it shocks me about this movie is... Uh, if we take a look at the guy who directed it, because Paul Schrader, hmm. uh, yeah. Paul, Sh- Paul Schrader has a very interesting filmography, uh, to the point where it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> he has written and directed some incredible stuff. He wrote Taxi Driver. He wrote Raging Bull. He, yeah, <laughs> and he directed this movie, yeah. and he directed um, <clears throat> the very recent uh, First for First Reformed. Uh, all great stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's also, on the opposite side of the hand, directed some of like the worst movies that I've seen in the last long while. <laughs> like he directed, uh, <clears throat> he directed that movie, uh, Dog Eat Dog with Nicolas Cage, which I haven't seen in full, but I've seen a good bit of, and it's just not good. Um, he also directed uh, a movie last year titled uh, "The Card Counter," which I think I I think I brought up yeah. during my end of year list. You did, yeah. Uh, and that movie is so baffling to me that you can go from such a a visual treat as Mishima is to an absolute eyesore of a movie that Card Counter is, and maybe it's just the cinematography that he had, <laughs> but oh my god, maybe. <laughs> it is so it is. So night and day, and you would think that it's an that it's an argument at that point. You would think it's an argument of like, oh, you know, his old stuff used to be good. That's not true. He <laughs> he proved that wrong with First Reformed yeah. just just uh what was it four years ago? So it's like what? Uh, f- yeah. So it's like how does this how does this happen? <laughs> I don't know. He he seems like an interesting person. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned at some point uh, the Twitter account that shows oh, yeah, you what did. he posts on his uh, Facebook page. And there's a lot of uh, weird stuff. Um, <laughs> and, you know, he seems he seems like a good guy. He yeah. just seems a bit strange, but, you know. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's great. It's just his filmography. Oh, yeah. His filmography has and always it's, will yeah. completely baffle me. But it's, it, it's in a good way. In a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, there's, uh, there's, what were you yeah. say? There's something that I find very interesting about this movie, which is that it feels so much like a purely 100% Japanese movie. Like, they would have, like, Japanese writers, directors, and all. But, you know, besides the cast, it was directed by an American man, and it was produced by... George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola, mm-hmm. and it's—I don't know—I feel like 
I, I don't know what it is. I feel like today, if Hollywood had to make a movie about Japan, they would find a way to include, like, Tom Cruise or something like that, which they did. Yeah. Uh, but they would. I, I don't know. They would try and. Uh, it's not even like. Obviously, they would have, like, American stars in it if Hollywood were to make a movie like this yeah. again. But the other thing would be is I don't think it'd be subtitled. The the fact that this movie oh, no. is mm-hmm. entirely almost in Japanese, aside from literally two lines it's, in the yeah. middle of the movie. It, the fact that it's entirely <laughs> in Japanese right. is insane to me. And there's... Um, it's... Yeah. And I, and I don't know if you've noticed, but on the uh, Criterion Blu-ray, uh, there is uh, a track, an audio track that you can choose that has the uh, narration that Ken Ogata does replaced by uh, an American actor who did some narration because uh, apparently Paul Schrader thought the movie was a little too subtitle heavy for um, American audiences at the time. But, you know, for for 1985, hmm. yeah, I, I can agree yeah. with that. I can... <laughs> I think... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's pretty insane that, like... I mean... Obviously, this movie was seen by some people and loved, so it was remembered. Yeah. So the fact that it got that type of recognition in America at that time when foreign film, I guess, wasn't entirely over here yet. I mean, it was, but not in the same way. Yeah. Um, the fact that it got that kind of recognition is it's, it, it just it feels nice to me that that, that, that happened. It's, yeah. I, I I don't think I'm I'm being pessimistic when I'm saying that we're never gonna get something like that again. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Like this is a once <laughs> one once in a lifetime thing. Like, you you know, an American purely American movie that is so respectful to the culture and to the it's Japan in general, and it's like we're never going to get that again because like another thing too is if they try to do that again it's going to be entirely in english as you said but it's also like going to be a bunch of just like chinese and korean actors uh that like do not speak a word a word of uh, japanese which is like yeah any basically any like asian movie yes uh i like samurai movies mulan as well <laughs> if we like even if we go to like just regular movies with Asian people in it. There was, uh, that I, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago, I watched uh, wish upon, you know, obviously a terrible movie, but it mm-hmm. gets the most basic thing wrong. And I'm not saying that the casting for this was wrong. I'm not saying that the actor who played the character did a bad job cause he didn't. Um, but in the movie, one of the main supporting characters, I guess he could be considered a main character, um, is uh, a Chinese guy uh, who, like, you know, is there because, you know, the the wishing box or whatever is in Chinese. Like, it has Chinese writing on it. So he's there He's there to be like, oh, you know, I, uh, I, I can speak Chinese. My, my cousin can speak Chinese. We can help you decode it. Um, the actor who plays him does a great, you know, or does, you know... A great job for what he was given. Uh, he's Korean. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> and a part of me is like, I I feel like we shouldn't be doing that, right? Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be... Yeah. We shouldn't be getting that kind of thing 
not I, i'm sure that they knew it wasn't there's no way that it wasn't a mistake i'm just saying that we shouldn't oh, yeah. we shouldn't be getting that type of thing mixed or like wrong i guess it just seems a little strange <sighs> I, I can't feel like the old white producer that was like, oh, he's got small eyes, must speak Chinese, right? Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I, yeah, it's... It's like, obviously, I think he did a fine yeah. job, but it's one of those things where it's like, I... Maybe we should have... Maybe you should have written yeah. that a little, a little differently or something. I don't know. Wish Upon's an awful movie, but there's, there's plenty <laughs> of examples you know exactly like that in other types of movies i don't i can't recall any off the top of my head but i've i've yeah, heard yeah. instances uh but yeah yeah uh what were your did you have any like specific uh notes for the movie i'm sure you did since this was your second time watching it yeah oh yeah <laughs> uh and i will say i don't know what i was doing the first time i watched the movie but i like, I don't know why I didn't really notice just how visually amazing this movie is. And I just, I really want to talk about that because, like, there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of amazing stuff in that movie. But to me, the major point of it is the cinematography, the the lighting, the colors, the, the framing. It's just all perfect. One of the first things that I, uh, that I wrote is every, pretty much every single shot is stunning like there isn't a single shot that isn't beautiful yeah um it's like even the most simple shot there's like still a, a specific thing that is gonna be like oh yeah that's good uh i'm i'm a sucker for like co using color in movies oh same like, here you know stuff like obviously la la and those kinds of movies they use colors a lot and this is one of them um there's a lot of, um a lot of red I noticed in the movie. Mm. Um there's a scene in particular that I'm thinking of which I think is going to be the background for this uh this this episode. Uh oh, yeah. which is in the in the third chapter when the um the the characters in the 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 novel adaptation have like an assembly uh somewhere and it kind of like all goes to red. Uh, I don't know what you, if you know what I'm talking about. I, I know, yeah, I know what scene uh, you're talking about. Right. It's it's like you know the, the lighting is perfect, perfectly normal, like you would expect, and then everything goes darker and everything goes to red, and it's like it's it's amazing. It's one of the prettiest scenes in the movie, uh, and just in general. Like, I don't know. There's too too many things. My my mind can't process just how pretty this movie is. It is, yeah. It's, um, like even I, there, this is an element I haven't even touched on yet. But um, mm -hmm. the um the uh, yeah. the score is uh, is done by Philip Glass. Oh my god, yeah, dude, it, it's incredible as well. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, I'm listening to it right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's, it is immediately yeah. became one of my favorite film scores of all time. Mm, I I agree. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of really good stuff in that movie. Um, 
the the set as well that's another thing the set designs for especially especially the the novel adaptations um mainly the main one that i'm thinking of is the golden pavilion which is so unique i've never seen something it, quite like this in a, another movie it looks like it comes straight out of a storybook like that's how kind of like, yeah it's like beautiful insanely beautiful looking Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I've never I, it's just I've never seen a movie like this and I love being able to say that about movies that I see it's like oh I god I've never seen anything like that mm-hmm. before in my entire life um, but yeah um, there's a scene in particular too uh, in the again in the, the third chapter which I think is just Everything in it is... I think it's, it is one of the most perfect scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Which is th- the end of the chapter where um, the, the, the character in the uh, novel adaptation uh, goes to kill the... Uh, I don't remember who he kills. But he kills someone like in politics. Yeah. I don't know if it's like the emperor or something like that. I think I think he for kills his, someone. I think for that, yeah, for that version, I think it is the emperor. I'm pretty sure. Right. Well, yeah. So the uh, let's say it's the emperor. So he uh, goes in in the room, kills him, and then runs it runs into this forest, which at the beginning of the scene is like sort of like blue, the the type of of blue that you'd expect in a night scene. Uh, and then he kills the emperor and goes back into the forest, and the light again changes to red. Uh, and he gets to this, uh, um, this lake where, you know, you can see that the, the sun is rising and he commits seppuku and the way that is done with the, um, you know, the, the, the framing, the colors, the, mm-hmm. the lighting, the, the, the music, everything is on point. There is nothing wrong with this scene. It is so, is- so good. There is an incredibly edited moment, and it's the one at the very end, where uh, yeah, where yeah. Mishima, where Mishima, uh, you know, commits seppuku. He, the during every adaptation of the storybook, we were we were never shown the exact last moment. So it's mm-hmm. like, in at the end of Golden Pavilion, he burns down the gold, like the Golden Pavilion, or at least you know, what he sees as it. Um, in at the end of um, uh, 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 Kyoko's uh, house, uh, he you know Kyoko and him uh, die together. At the end of Runaway Horses, like you just said, the guy commits seppuku. Right in that moment, when you when Mishima stabs himself, the th- the three endings before him all flash together. In like um like just a like a very small sequence before he himself dies, yeah. and it's incredible. It's like it's like you know the movie is divided into four different parts, obviously, and every part like builds up to the to the end of that chapter until it's it cuts right before the the very end, so that at at the the end of the last chapter you get. All four of those ends to create like the biggest climax you'd ever see in a movie. It's 
again, it's a, it's a perfect scene. There's there's it there are really, many of them in this movie. It really is. The whole movie, like like we've said multiple times, is just perfectly and meticulously like orchestrated to all be yeah near perfect. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's. So like the first the first time I saw the movie I rated it a four and a half stars I think I'm gonna give it a full five star Ooh. this time oh like, you think so I, I think it's gone that far I it deserves I think, it yeah I think I'm comfortable with the uh, four and a half for now we'll see we'll see how I'm feeling next time I see it yeah um but yeah well that's kind of all, that's kind of all I had for the you know for a Mishima life in four chapters. I don't know if it's the same for you. Um, well, there's uh, there's a thing that I like to talk about, which is I I think it's interesting interesting to uh sort of like try to link the novel that is chosen for each chapter with what it represents in uh, Mishima's life. Like try to link the biopic part with the novel adaptation part. I th- like that's something that I thought of during the movie. I think it would be interesting to talk about. Um, for, for example, the, the first chapter is, uh, so it's, uh, beauty, hmm. um, about the golden pavilion, which in Japan is considered to be like, I, I don't, I don't exactly what it, like the, the right words, but like, it's considered to be one of the most like beautiful places in the entire country. Um, and it's known for like. It's very attached to the world, the word beauty, um, and the this book follows a character that stutter that has a, a stutter, and um, this the hold on I I gotta find a way to uh, phrase this, uh, and so in the when they talk about Mishima's childhood, they talk a lot about. His uh, his fascination for words—that's the part of his childhood where he really, where he really realizes how much he likes words, and he's fascinated by it. So the um, there is something that I think is really interesting by like showing his interest for words and showing a character who has trouble talking and expressing words. Mm-hmm. There, there's something that I think is pretty interesting about that. Um, uh, there's something else that I wrote. Yeah, there is it's some form of poetry that, that I think is very very interesting in the book about like you know the main uh, the the main character in the the Golden Pavilion thinks that the pavilion is so beautiful that it in fact becomes too beautiful and does not want it to exist because of that and then tries to and then burns it down um i i I feel like i could try to like analyze that like at some other time because i like will not be able to figure it out tonight but like there is there is something that i think is very interesting about that yeah visually it's communicated really well too because the main character is like talking with his friend uh and is holding a miniature golden pavilion in his hand and begins to say about how mm-hmm. he thinks uh, true beauty, uh, uh, you know, must be destroyed or something like that, and in that exact moment that he says that he crushes mm-hmm. the small golden pavilion in his hands, 
and immediately after that we're cutting to the scene where he you know begins to burn down the pavilion which is just just amazing yeah because <laughs> uh the thing that we forgot to, to mention about this story is that you know it's set during world war Two, mm-hmm. and basically the in they explained that the the main character hopes that the the American American bombers will bomb the pavilion so that it will uh, be destroyed because of that. But when he hears that um, the war is over, he's like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna have to do it myself." That's then. true. Uh, which which he does. Which is a, a, um, another thing to mention about just how far mm-hmm. Mishima's. Uh, you know, Yukio Mishima's uh, want to be uh, killed in an honorable and glorious fashion, he would often think about yeah. uh, getting blown up during the air raids of World War Two. Like, he would, he would think about that mm-hmm. since he, you know, didn't go off to war himself. That was something, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just... When I when I heard that part of the story, I was like, "Oh my god!" It's it's just so fascinating to know that this guy existed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I'm gonna do this for every chapter because uh, we are at like 40 minutes, and yeah. uh, we also have to talk about patriotism. Um. But hold on, let me just look at my notes for a second. Um. Well, like I like I like I said earlier, Kyoko's house uh, more or less represents the yeah. like it, it continues the warped view that Mishima would have on beauty and how I guess perfect and perfect it needs to be, but also yeah. about how it it should be destroyed in some way because the main character, yeah, uh, much like Mishima himself, wants to become a bodybuilder. He does that and begins seeing this older woman who you know abuses and cuts up his body uh and then in the end he agrees to bleed out and die in front of her so mm-hmm. we we see this like there's so much to read into there and i really i really can't wait to like start yeah. getting into the reading of these books actually because there's just yeah. there's so much to unpack there about how the main character thinks about beauty and obviously what Mishima himself thought of the concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, there's the whole thing of like, uh, you know, body, uh, bodybuilding to be like as, like as good looking and as pretty as you can possibly be. But the, the issue with that is that if you, put so much care into your appearance you gotta that like there's someone who says like that like you have to uh die at your um like most handsome at your peak basically and mm-hmm. uh it's it's i i find it kind of interesting um and yeah um and obviously the story of and runaway dogs mm-hmm. is quite literally you know <laughs> or runaway horses i'm sorry is quite literally a mirror of yeah the the shield society 
like almost almost completely mm-hmm. um other than you know the killing the emperor part right um but yeah so that's really the the part of the movie where we really see like how far his political views went mm. uh we see just how patriotic aha uh-huh, uh <laughs> he he was uh see what i did there huh um and that's kind of the the bar where it's like okay that guy is kind of weird all right yeah uh you could <laughs> And that, and that's another thing I guess I'm glad I remembered to mention now is you could really see that you you could look at you know the death of Mishima in so many different ways or at least a few you could mm-hmm. definitely look at it through the lens of okay this was definitely some kind of prolonged uh you know like mental episode like there's no way that this guy was in his entirely right mind mm-hmm. Or you could look at it uh, in the way that, I don't know, I, I think about it a lot like this in the terms of, like, he really did, I guess, go out in the most insanely well-constructed culmination of all of his art up to that point. Everything the man stood for mm-hmm. and everything he was com- culminated at the exact point in his life and it's so insane to me that something like that even happened like it's a real event right yeah it's like honestly i i saw the movie for the the first time and i thought like this gotta be fake and then i went on his wikipedia and i saw a picture of him giving his speech and i was like oh shit that actually happened oh Mm -hmm. it that's uh, like it's so it's so crazy that it seems like it would be you know something fictional but it's not it's entirely real yeah it's it's kind of funny when you look at his uh the chapter on his uh wikipedia page and you've got like the usual early life private life uh poster literature acting and modeling and then at the end of god coup attempt and ritual suicide yeah that's what just it's like. out of nowhere, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> whoa, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, it's, it that's that's something, yeah. <laughs> also, I kind of want to mention that just because, um, just because I, I just think it's it's funny how the first time that I ever heard of uh, Yukio Mishima wasn't because of like the movie or something like that it was when when i was watching a pewdiepie video yeah yeah because fun fact yukio mishima is somehow pewdiepie's favorite author (laughs) uh i it's it's not the link that i expected to see but why not (laughs) (laughs) i remember i i remember that video because i remember him talking about uh the books of his that he read and i was like that sounds that sounds fascinating Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I just didn't think yeah. about Mishima uh, up until, you know, getting into the Criterion Collection and seeing mm-hmm. that Mishima was a big, like, it's a pretty prominent film in the, I guess, Criterion canon. Like, it's one that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I remember that's where my kind of my interest picked back up. And obviously, with the podcast, I was finally able to, I guess, get into watching it because, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. So uh, should we move on yeah, I to? I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move on to patriotism? All right. Let's do it. Okay, so um so I've got a lot I just want to say right now. I've got a lot less stuff to say about it. So Oh, same here. Uh But I mean, to be fair, like Life in Four Chapter is 2 hours, Patriotism is 30 minutes. So yeah. obviously there's going to be a difference there. It's not uh, nearly mm-hmm. as dense. But um oh yeah. It does have I guess it has a lot to do with uh I guess the the death of Mishima. I guess that's a, that's a weird way to put it, but for sure, yeah. Y'all understand the people people listening will understand in a second. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, so patriotism is uh, a a short film adaptation of Yukio Mishima's book uh, of the same or you know short story of the same name, directed and starring uh, himself, uh, and it is about. A uh, a Japanese soldier, uh, who I believe is ordered to, uh, or he's not ordered to, but he knows that eventually he will have to kill his uh, fellow soldiers uh, because they go against the emperor. And instead of going through with this, he decides to go back home that night and uh, commit uh, harakiri or seppuku uh, with his wife. Um, and that's mm-hmm. like the that that is the extremely basic rundown. But there's not much other than that. It really is, you know. Yeah. We we see it's much like um, I guess in the same vein of uh, Mishima Life of Four Chapters. It is entirely uh, it is entirely played out on a uh, what looks to be almost like a theater stage, almost like a theater set at least. Because we see this, uh, you know, this how this home with no walls except for the back wall, and um, and we, you know, we just see them walking through these sets. Um, but it's all done obviously in black and white. Uh, it's a silent film actually, which is something I did not expect. Um, and it's probably the first time that I've ever actually enjoyed a silent film. Because I kind of loved this. <laughs> um, I loved how uh, I love how dark it was. There was there's one uh, part in particular in which the you know the soldier actually commits uh, suicide, and there is so much blood, and it is shot in such a way that is so like genuinely off putting. And I'm like, oh god, that's it's kind of brilliant. I didn't expect that because this is this is the only film Mishima ever did, and he it was incredible. I think it's a, I think it's an incredible short film. Um, but what did you think about patriotism? I, 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 I kind of have like it, it's kind of difficult for me to get into uh, silent movies. I understand uh, that. Ju- just like you and. <laughs> I, unlike you, could not unfortunately get into it. Ah. I, I thought it was, 
I hate to. I really trust me. I really hate to say it. I thought it was kind of boring. That is. Uh, I'll, okay, so it's like. It's yeah. kind of built. It's kind of built into like two or three, three very distinct sections, uh, or I guess four, yeah. where it's like you know the soldier comes home, um, him and his wife uh, make love for one last time, uh, he kills himself and then she kills herself. I thought him coming home and mm-hmm. him committing suicide was like obviously probably the best part of the movie or the you know the short film. Uh, both visually and uh, I guess you know visually and just where my interest was I honestly wasn't paying much attention during the uh, sex scene I didn't really find it too interesting to get into and neither did I find really her uh, her suicide up and or or like you know her whole lead up to the suicide up until the very end Um, but I like to Mm -hmm. see this I guess less as a traditional, I don't know, film. It's, I think it excels much more visually than it does at being, you know, an actual entertaining film. Um, but you know, it's just another example of uh, Mishima being really good visually. I think. <laughs> yeah, there are some cool shots like um, at the beginning the. It's like there's there's a shot of the wife and a shot of the, the, the husband that is just like blended together. Yeah. To to be as if he was like touching her that I thought was uh was really well made. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I, I really like it too, and there's just a lot of other examples of that. It's like I really wanted to talk about I guess shine a light on patriotism, uh as you know, as we were talking about Mishima because it it's related in a lot of ways, but it's not exactly. Yeah. It's not exactly too conversation worthy, but I think it is really. Yeah. I think it is really worth the watch, uh, especially as a companion piece to Mishima Life in Four Chapters. Yeah. Um, that's. I'm pretty sure that's kind of all I had to say about patriotism. Yeah. Um. But you know, I guess. Since you know we're we're done with that, I guess now. Which, you know, if you haven't already, go watch the movie. Go support it on, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, it's on the Criterion Channel, so it's on the Criterion Channel. It's in the Criterion uh, Collection. Yeah. Wherever you can stream it, mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. You can watch Patriotism free on YouTube, or if you want, you can do what I did and uh, buy the Criterion DVD version of it. Uh, which I'm I'm glad yeah. I did because it comes with some pretty neat extras like an actual print uh version of the uh patriotism short story which i uh should read one of these days yeah so i I thought that was really cool that's pretty cool yeah so (laughs) so yeah i think it it, it was like 10 bucks too i think off of amazon that or 15 i'm not entirely sure Oh, that's pretty cool yeah it was not much money so i think it's worth it but anyway um (laughs) uh i guess one thing we could get into very quickly before we get into, you know, another the other big topic of this episode uh, is right. just kind of mm-hmm. what what we watched over the uh, over the last couple weeks, because it's been about sure. two weeks since we recorded our last episode. And I guess to, to go through mine really quickly, yeah. um, I was able to see uh, Drive My Car, 
which is the new uh, the new uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi uh, film. It is three hours long, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. There was story wise, I guess it could have been a bit more interesting, but I loved the approach that this movie took to like real life because it feels it feels like you're just watching a chapter in this guy's life like it's just it's really well done like that and i love the characters um uh but Mm -hmm. that was i was able to see that i was able to see a uh an early theater screening of uh the first part of the new uh kanye west documentary trilogy uh genius uh which uh, all right I thought the I thought the first part of it was really good. <laughs> like I think, mm-hmm. regardless, I, I I guess you would have to be some form of uh, rap fan or hip hop fan to even find it remotely yeah. interesting. But I I am a Kanye West fan. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was right. I thought it was a very good time, and I'm really excited for the rest of the trilogy to come out on Netflix over the next couple weeks. Um. But another thing I did was I was finally able to, uh, uh, I guess, uh, get my TV uh, uh, a, ni- a nice uh, wall mount so I could actually, you know, not have to hmm. not have to watch it while it's sitting on the floor anymore. So my friend and I came or after we saw the documentary, we we came home and uh, put that put that together and watched uh, an awful, awful film uh, called Kung Fu Zombie. Uh <laughs> We watched on, uh, I believe it was Tubi. Oh wow! Yeah, and it is it is a hundred minutes, uh, and makes absolutely no sense, uh, and features pirated James Bond music as the uh, as the villain theme. So, uh, if you All if right. you if you like absolutely insane, uh, uh, you know, foreign kung fu films, uh, I guess check out Kung Fu Zombie. You can watch it for free on Tubi, which. Might I say, Tubi is probably the the go-to source for B-movies because they have a lot of stuff on there for free. You don't even mm. have to make an account. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but the other stuff That's I watched... Cool. Other stuff I watched was, obviously, Mishima, Life in Four Chapters, uh, Patriotism. And I also watched most of the uh, documentary that is included on the Criterion Blu-ray uh, called... Uh, the Strange oh. Case of Yukio Mishima, which is a documentary um, from 1985 uh, from the BBC. So it was fine. I think it, 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 it's not that it was, it was bad mm-hmm. or anything. I just I kind of knew everything already that it goes over. But it is a pretty <laughs> right. it is a pretty good summation of uh, Yukio Mishima's ar- artistic views. Um, but that was kind of all mm-hmm. I watched. What did uh, what'd you watch? I actually watched quite a lot of stuff. Um, so I started with uh, Uncle Yanko, which is a documentary by Agnes Varda that she made about her uncle who lived in uh, San Francisco. Uh, very wholesome and very sweet, just like anything you'd expect from her. Um, then I watched something completely different, Ichi the Killer uh, by Takashi Miike. I haven't really uh, wanted to watch I, that I one. had the blurry for a while. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's insane. I have never <laughs> seen something like this in my life. It's uh, honestly like it's not it's not a masterpiece or anything like that, but it is 
really fun. Like I saw, I saw that with my brother, and we were just kind of like a mix of being shocked and just laughing through the whole thing. It really is a f like, it's fun, but it's like also not because there are some pretty sh shocking parts. Mm. Uh, but it is really good. I thought it was really good. That's good. That's great. Uh, then, yeah. Uh, then I did uh, what I try to do at least once a year. I did a marathon of every single Harry Potter movie. Oh my! Because <laughs> I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm a diehard Potterhead, and I will always love Harry the Harry Potter movies. And I have a so, there's something in my brain that makes me just want to watch those movies at least once a year. So I did that, and I had a blast, just like just as always. Um, then I saw my dinner with Andre, which is Ooh. a, um, a movie with, uh, Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory, which is, you know, it's the type of movie that is purely dialogue based. It kind of, in a way, kind of similar to, um, 12 Angry Men, which is basically the movie is those two characters that are sitting at a restaurant and talking for two hours. And I kind of, the way I describe this type of movie is it's kind of like a, podcast movie yeah if that makes sense like it's like it's, I, it's, I, I it's, felt like i was watching a podcast it's like if you stripped a lot of the uh visuals away from like the before trilogy or something because if you really just break those movies down it, yeah. it is like just like that a yeah. long conversation <laughs> mm -hmm. and i thought the conversation was very interesting so i really liked it i'm glad then i saw uh then I saw Time Bandits by uh, Terry Gilliam, mm. uh, which is one of the first movie that he directed outside of Monty Python. Um, and I thought I, I thought it was pretty good. It's not, you know, it's not like genius, but it's really fun. <laughs> uh, it's I mean, no, I mean, like wh when I think of Terry Gilliam, you know, when I think of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or Brazil, I think of like very... I don't know how to explain, but like very, I don't, I can't find a word. Uh, but this this felt like just uh, kind of like a regular kids movie, if that makes sense. Okay. Which I know, and I know it's, that it's, it's more, more than that. It's I a little see more. That it's it's more. a little more simple than like it's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to say not it. Yeah. Simple. Not even in a bad way. I mm. I, I understand no, that completely. No. Like I I say that like. My Neighbor Totoro is simple, and that's one of my favorite movies ever made. I, yeah. <laughs> that's a great comparison. Yeah. Uh, and Time Venice was really fun. I thought it was also really funny, especially the scenes with... Uh, there was a scene uh, where uh, John Cleese plays Robin Hood, which was really funny. <laughs> uh, there were two scenes... There were two scenes with Michael Palin and uh, Shelley Duvall playing Ooh. a couple, which they were really good. Uh, they were really funny. Um... Then I watched something a bit more niche. I watched a, doc a Netflix documentary on a French rap group called Big Flo and Ali, which is the those two brothers from the south of France that like make kind of like slam poetry. Uh, and I, I'm not like I'm not really that into rap, but I think they're really good. Uh, so if you uh, if you know French, uh, go listen to them. <laughs> um, then. I watched a movie that I wanted to, that I've been meaning to watch for years, and I finally got to watch it. 
it's Amadeus uh, by M- Milos Forman. Mm. So the movie about the life of Mozart. I got this. I was able to find the director's cut, which instead of being two two hours and forty minutes long, is a full three hours. Yeah. Uh, which was a lot of fun. It's an amazing movie that is like so. It's I don't even know how to descri- describe it. It's, it's I feel like I've been saying that for the whole episode, but it's <laughs> I've never seen something like this. I'm kind of I'm it's I'm holding out hope. <laughs> uh, I'm holding out hope personally for the uh, for the possibility, or you know, not uh, almost uh, all but confirmed possibility of the Criterion release of Amadeus, uh, which has been rumored yeah, rumored yeah, for years. One day. So I, I'm. I'm holding out hope. One day. I'm holding out hope. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure one day is gonna happen. Oh, of course. Uh, I'd like. I'd like uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, and hold, oh, hold on. What's his name? Uh, F. Marie Abram was perfect. Uh, Tom Hulse as well, who played Mozart. They uh, and F. Marie Abram, who played uh, Salieri. Both of them were mm. just like. A perfect, actually perfect duo, and I thought Salieri had. I think it's because I saw Harry Potter recently, but he had kind of like a Snape-like appearance. Yeah, I thought he was kind of like Professor Snape, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a uh, interesting. Uh, and then the last movie that I saw besides Mishima and Patriotism is um, well, so two days ago was Valentine's Day, so I thought I'm gonna watch a rom com. So I saw Before Sunset. Ooh. Um, so I will say I didn't like it as much as uh, Before Sunrise, but I mean, okay. you know. Yeah. It's, it's the Before Trilogy, so of course I loved it. Um, but I, I I don't know. I think it's... I don't know what it is. I, th- I think it's just because it's more... Uh, I don't really know. I, uh, I, I don't know I why I liked it... it uh, not as much, but I, I get why you yeah, would. I personally, it. it's personally my favorite of the before trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but before sunset's not that, or before sunrise is like not that far behind. So you know, <laughs> I think I think uh, before sunrise is uh, like a, an amazing movie. Yes, yeah, and I really want it. So uh, I saw before sunrise for the first time last year at Valentine's Day. So I'm, and then I saw before sunset oh. at this year's Valentine's Day. So I'm guessing. What I'm planning to do is I'm going to watch Before Midnight uh, next year. So Actually. Valentine's Day 2023. Here's a really fun. I'm going to do it. Here's a really yeah. fun idea. What if. On, oh, I know where you're going. What yeah. if Valentine's Day 2023, that's when we do our Before Trilogy episode? I'm down. All right. I'm down. That's, I thought about that too. It's yeah. in the books. It's in the books. Uh-huh. <laughs> One year from now, that episode will be out. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, that's all I watched. Okay. Yeah. Um, before we get into the other big thing, uh, sorry, just one last yeah. thing. Uh, I also forgot uh-huh. to mention that the, uh, the criterion announcements came out, uh, for May, 2022. Uh, so yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. So we got, uh, Mr. Klein directed by Joseph Losey. We have, the funeral, directed by uh, Juzo Itami, which a lot of people are very happy to have another uh, Itami in the collection, which I think is I think is pretty great. Uh, we have uh, Mississippi. I'm very happy for that. Yeah, we have uh, Mississippi Masala by uh, Mira uh, Nair, I believe that's how you say it. 
we have the one that I am most personally interested in checking out. Uh, Chan is Missing, directed by uh, Wayne Wang, which is, a, mm-hmm. from what I can tell, a, like an independent film made in America in like the, hold on, what year was this? Uh, the, the early 80s. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. uh, probably the biggest, uh, probably the biggest film that was announced was the last film, Double Indemnity, uh, the four K, re- the four K version of Double Indemnity, which is one of the, if not like the most famous uh, film noir uh, ever made. Definitely one of them because uh, I I have a lot of mm-hmm. film professors, a lot of people I know that love Double Indemnity. So seeing it come into the collection, I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised with, and I, I will eventually watch it. <laughs> I still haven't seen it, but yeah, right. uh, Chan is missing is definitely uh, my pick of like the one I'm most interested in of this month. Yeah, and mine is uh, the funeral because I love Tempopo. So oh yeah, no, I'm curious I, to see another. I really, I, I would love to yeah. see that as well. Um, mm-hmm. but. If uh, if there's nothing else to uh, to mention, I guess I don't think there is. I guess we should get into our big thing. So, all right, yep. For months we've been waiting for this, and just last week, the Oscar 2022 nominations were revealed. Um, and, and I don't know about you, I have been spoiled on a couple of them. I don't know if you've been able to stay completely blind. I no, I was I wasn't able to say playing. Yeah, I was at all. I was spoiled on uh, obviously best picture, um, and mm-hmm. uh, best animated, uh, and most of the acting noms. Yeah. Um, but uh, how should yeah, we? I saw. I was oh, yeah. I was spoiled for uh, I was spoiled for best director. Mm. Uh, and I'll get into that later. But I I have to talk about that one. But we'll. Right. Yeah, so, so um, I guess the way that we should do this is just read off the category, read off our, yeah. um, all the nominations, and of course give what we think uh, it should go to. Yeah, um, I think I think what we should do is we should give which one we would personally give it to, and which one we think will win. Because that's another two different yeah, things. That's a good one. Like um, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, so. Should we both look at the list, or should like one give the the names to the other? We should. Okay, here here's a good idea. So I'm on the Oscars website, yeah. obviously. Um, I think we right. should both look at mm-hmm. that list and then like uh, trade off. Like uh, like one read, the other read. Oh, as if like, as if like we were announcing ourselves, right? Or like I, I mean like one like we read uh, one of us reads a category and then the other oh. one reads a category. All right. I thought one was like oh. uh, the nominees are one says this one, the other says this yeah, one. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, that works. That okay. works. <laughs> so, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, uh, you go first. I don't have the the page up yet. Okay, so um, I will begin, uh, with uh, mm-hmm. r- with actor in a leading role. Um, so the nominees are, uh, Javier Bardem in Being the Ricardos, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch mm-hmm. in The Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom, Woo! Will Smith in King Richard, and Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple surprises right. and a couple non-surprises is all I'll say, <laughs> or like yeah. is what I'll say to begin. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I I figured uh, Denzel had to be there. Yeah, I figured Denzel and Will Smith were locked in for sure. Um, I'm very surprised, or I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. very surprised, but I'm pleasantly surprised to see Andrew Garfield there. Um, the yep. only issue with this uh, list of nominees is I have not seen a single film on this list. <laughs> uh, so I have some catching up to do. <laughs> I've I seen one. I don't yeah. really have any desire to watch Being the Ricardos, uh, unfortunately. Right. But I Same. will. I will probably end up watching. Definitely Tragedy Macbeth and Tick Tick Boom, but um, I'll probably end up watching mm-hmm. Power of the Dog and King Richard as well, just to kind of round it out. Yeah. Um, but if we're thinking, uh-huh. uh, I can't really say in terms of what my personal choice would be, but I have a feeling as to what yours might be. Yeah. Well, if we're going perfectly like what we would, who we would <laughs> want to win. Tick, Tick, Boom is my favorite movie of 2021, <laughs> and I feel like a lot of that is because of Andrew Garfield's performance, which is the best he's given in his entire career, and it was one of the best performances I've seen in, in a while, and it's uh, the fact that it was nominated, I'm just so happy. I I, I have to give it... Also, because like, I haven't seen the other movies, so by default, I give it to him, but... Um, <laughs> If we have to talk about who we think will win, I'm going to have to say someone else because I doubt yeah. that they're going to actually give it to him. Unfor- unfortunately. Un- unfortunately, I'm in the same camp. Um, I'm kind of yeah. thinking if we're going with what I think the Academy will choose, I think they'll choose Will Smith. Yeah. I think it's I think it's I'm, pretty definite. I'm Yeah. Like, the, I, I'm I thinking think, Will Smith as well. I think Denzel would be a, you know, a very pleasant surprise. Um, yeah, and, and obviously Andrew Garfield. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem, like I love him. Never happening. Not for this. One. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> uh, I, I, it's just like I don't know. I feel like no one's been talking about this movie. I feel like it's kind of oh like yeah, just out no, of nowhere. I didn't hear about this movie until we read off the uh, Golden Globes last time. Um, same, yeah. same, yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Um, um, to some some extent I could potentially maybe see Benedict Cumberbatch I haven't seen Power of the Dog so maybe he's amazing I've heard he's actually really good in that one oh yeah I've heard I've heard a lot of good stuff I've heard great things as well so you know maybe maybe that one is like incredible so I guess we'll I guess I will definitely watch it before the Oscars oh yeah no same here that that remains to be seen which we have a lot of time before these Oscars like more than we've had in a while because these, I believe... I think yeah, we've, we've got a month. They aren't until March 27th. I think that's that has to be the latest that oh, the Oscars... Fuck. That has to be, like, the latest that the Oscars been in, like, years. At least. Yeah, it is re- It is very late. Yeah, because I remember yeah. um, 2020, uh, 2020, at least, was, like, February. But, like, you know, I... Yeah, it was before COVID. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> I guess that leaves a actor in a supporting role, which would you like to take that away? Yes. So we've got uh, fuck. I'm gonna try to pronounce that correctly. Karen Hind, Heinz Hinds. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. Uh, for Belfast. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we've got Tror Kotsur uh, for Coda. Um, then we've got Jesse Plemons for the power of the dog jk simmons for being the ricardos and cody smith mcphee for the power of the dog again mm-hmm. um 
So I haven't seen a single one of those movies. Neither have I. I, I gotta talk. I gotta mention because I before I uh so I, but before the nominations were announced, I'd never heard of Coda. Neither have uh, I. But then I heard people talking about like oh. Oscar nominated movie. So I went to read the synopsis and I heard that it's about a family uh, of like, you know, a, f- a fully deaf, a deaf uh, family, except for the daughter, which can hear and who also really loves singing. Mm. And it creates this weird situation where she's passionate for singing and the parents want to support her, but they can't like, you know, they can't hear her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that. I was like, weird. I've seen this movie before. And that's because this is a remake of a French movie that I saw when I was in high school. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because that's something. That's the thing that's interesting is that in the U.S., when the the Hollywood producers see a movie that they want to like bring um, audience to see that is in the that is in a foreign movie, instead of dubbing it like other countries would. <laughs> They're gonna fully remake it, yeah. which I think is really weird. It is strange. Uh, I've, I famously, uh, have, or at least like infamously in our podcast, have been pretty adamant yeah. <laughs> against uh, foreign uh, or uh, American remakes of foreign films. I've kind of cooled yeah. down a bit on that opinion in the last few months. You know, I still yeah. don't like it, but it's it's still something that I I don't really get angry about it anymore. Um, yeah. But I'm interested to see Coda. But I think I think Coda actually has better reviews than the original. Oh. So I'll have to see that. I, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um so uh, I uh I don't know I, I don't have a, a personal opinion, but, but except the fact that I would like to see J.K. Simmons winning an Oscar. Yeah. I was about to say like but if that's we're, just if, I love J.K. Simmons. If we're talking purely about like love for the actors I would love to see either Jesse Plemons yeah. or J.K. Simmons take it home because I love both of them. Yeah. Um, well, I'll be honest. The only one in this category that I know is J.K. Simmons. I, oh, maybe uh, J.C. Plemons. I the name sounds familiar. Mm. Uh, oh, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like him to win. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah cool. I would love that. I I don't know the other ones. <laughs> he was really good in. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Oh yeah, no, he's incredible. He's, really he's incredible in that movie. That that that's what put him. Yeah. That's what put him on the map in my mind. Where it's like, oh, this guy's incredible. Like obviously, I'd seen like other um, other stuff with him in it yeah. before, but like that one was like, oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that that one's a little hard to call right now since we haven't seen any of them. Um, right. But I guess to uh, to get into a uh, actress in a leading role. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Jessica Chastain uh, in the eyes of Tammy Faye. We have uh, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. We have Penelope Woo! Cruz in Parallel Mothers. Uh, we have Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos. And we have Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Let's <laughs> go! Yeah. I... <laughs> I... To tell you about how nervous I was that this wasn't going yeah. to make it in, I was legitimately scared that I was never going to see this happen. But it happened, and yeah. she better win. Yeah. <laughs> but I would be fine seeing. Yeah. Uh, I'd be fine seeing Olivia Coleman win because I know how much you like her. Um. Well, all right. Um. I will say, I adore Olivia Coleman. She's my favorite actress of all time. Right. 
uh, I if she, she was to win another Oscar, I I feel like this one wasn't as good. Like no 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 not that it wasn't as good. It wasn't as mind blowing as her performance in The Favorite. Or mm. I've heard a lot of good stuff about her performance in The Father, which she was nominated for. I think she was nominated like almost three years in a row. Like ha, the only insane. year in the past four years that she wasn't nominated is 2020 because she didn't make a movie. Mm-hmm. So fuck yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, honestly, I've heard so many things about Kristen Stewart. I, I would like to see her win, especially because yeah. she's like... Her and Robert Pattinson are still being labeled as the actors from Twilight. Mm-hmm. And I think they've both been able to prove that they're much more than that. And they're they're actually really good actors yes. who, when they when they care for a role, they can be really, really good. Oh, yes. No, and um, I, it's, it's, it's out in the U.S. Uh, I'm not too sure about anywhere else, but mm-hmm. in the U.S., uh, Spencer is now on Hulu. Uh, which I don't know how many of the, how many of you out there actually have Hulu, Ooh. Uh, but um, if you would like to watch the movie, it is there. I recommend it more than anything. Um, if it weren't for Bo Burnham's Inside and uh, End of or and uh, Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, that'd be my favorite of the year. Um, and I think it's I think it's genuinely incredible. Uh, but I've sung its praises enough on here. Uh, I just think it'd be nice to see her win. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am gonna have to to watch it before. Oh yeah, no, I I, I highly recommend that you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not on a streaming service here, but it is like I can rent it on YouTube. So I'm oh gonna okay, do that. that's yeah okay. So yeah. um, uh, actress in a supporting role then. Yeah, we've got uh Jesse Buckley for the Lost Daughter, Ooh. Ariana DeBose uh, the the. The Bossy, The Bows, I don't know, for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, uh, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, uh, fuck, Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. So, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the only one that I've seen that I've seen is Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, which he was very good. Um, and obviously, I mean, the only thing I've seen of Jesse Buckley, I'm pretty sure, is uh, her lead role in I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, so, you know, I'm not... Right. I, I would like to see her win because she's the only performance out of all these that I've seen. Uh, or not... Um, mm-hmm. uh, or she's the only actress out of all these that I really have a good opinion about. Or, you know, not that I don't like the other ones. It's just, I, you know... Yeah. I like, no. I like Jesse Buckley. <laughs> so I will say I can't really say that. Um, I think I think she deserved an Oscar more for I'm thinking of ending ending things oh. than the Lost Daughter. Look. Which can can I just can, can I just bring out the fact that <sighs> I'm thinking of ending things was completely snubbed by not the even, Oscars. Not even a single was, Oscar. How is that possible? Can I? Like last year was such a horrible year for the Oscars. Like there was nothing interesting. <laughs> But they could have nominated. I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> it's and they didn't. They didn't, and it's so insane. What? Like, how do you how the, how do you not even like, give it like best actor or anything or like best best adapted screenplay? <laughs> how? I, I'm, I'm genuinely yeah. so how I, I'm so perplexed by that nomination. 
but it makes no sense. Makes, like it's yeah. the probably I think the best movie of 2020. Oh, it's not I'm, even a probably in my mind, but it's like <laughs> it's. I'm just yeah yeah. I'm saying probably because I don't really remember which movies came out that year, but I'll, have, I'll have to check. But... <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, I. Don't really know who I would give it to. Yeah, um, I, it's another one that I don't really have an opinion on at the moment. I I think honestly, they could give it to anyone. I'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's if there's any anything outrageous about this category this year. Oh yeah. So um, I guess for animated feature film, which is uh, is one that I have some opinions mm-hmm. on. Uh, we have, uh, we have, uh, Encanto, uh, Flea, uh, Luca, the Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Um. Alright, this is, can I just say, every year is the same thing, it is the most predictable category every single year. Mostly every year, yes. I can... I, I'm not even gonna say I think this is gonna win because we all know that Encanto is gonna win. Oh, of course, right? yeah. It's of course. I think There's I no think way. Mitchell's versus the Machines has a decent chance because mm-hmm. you know it's it's Sony Pictures Animations and they did uh, Spider Verse. It's the same people who worked on Spider Verse, so I think it has a good chance. I have, personally haven't seen the movie the, yet. All right, so I don't know. Right. I'm 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 gonna say I get your opinion, but. <laughs> it's a Sony movie against three Disney movies. Okay, not well, one, not listen, two, three. Listen, yeah. if Ryan the Last Dragon gets anything, <laughs> I'm gonna lose my mind. Have you seen oh. this movie? I haven't watched it. No, but I've heard things. Have you seen what it looks like? <laughs> I know, I know. Holy, it's holy shit, dude! <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> insane thing i was i no, i still haven't it's... seen it i was with my friend the other night we were looking on youtube and i saw a thumbnail uh, just a thumbnail of something from ryan the last dragon i'm like oh mm. that's terrible looking is that in the movie he was like yes oh my god mm. i don't even but, i don't even know if i could find it again but yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> but okay but i will th- okay the thing is oh yeah go ahead yeah. Well, the thing is, a lot of people know the um, the Oscars are broadcast on ABC, and ABC is a channel that is owned by mm, Disney. Yes. So they <laughs> unfortunately have <laughs> an advantage against any other studio by default. Here's so the fact that they've got three, no matter the quality, <laughs> just the fact that they got three Disney movies oh, yeah. just means that Flea and the Mitchells vs. the Machines have the, not the a chances, single the chances chance. Chances are so low. Um, but so I, low. but I will, if they win, I will be happy, but, but I will say, uh, the nomination of flea is a very mm-hmm. pleasant surprise. Um, yeah. because that's something I've been wanting to watch for a little oh, while. Yeah. Um, and now that it's on Hulu in the U S mm-hmm. uh, I'm really going to be watching it one of these days soon. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah. Oh, and Luca's here too. Of course, Luca. I haven't seen that one either, but <laughs> I haven't seen that one. You know, I, I saw a lot of fan art on Twitter. The, on, but... the only one I saw out of this list was uh, Encanto, 
but I plan on watching uh, Mitchell's. The, I, 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 yeah. I plan on watching. Oh, yeah. I plan on watching uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines and uh, Flea. And if I have time, Luca. But yeah, that's not required. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch Encanto. Yeah. I think it's worth watching at least once. Like I think it's I think it's pretty alright. Yeah, I think I like it. I think you'll like it because mm-hmm. it's um Lin Manuel Miranda does the music. Yeah, I like the songs that I heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm guessing I like it. Cinematography now. Yes. <laughs> so we've got, uh, we've got Dune, uh, cine- cinematography by Greg Fraser, Nightmare Alley with Dan uh, Lawson, The Power of the Dog by uh, Ari uh, Wegner, Wegner. The, the Tragedy of Macbeth by uh, Bruno Delbonel, which I th- I think I know this name. I don't remember what from, though. Uh, and then West Side Story by uh, Janusz uh, Kaminski. I've, I, why do I have so much trouble pronouncing those names? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I guess if, if we have to be giving um, yeah. you know, a, a personal opinions here, I've only seen mm-hmm. Dune in Nightmare Alley. Um, and yeah. I think there are things to appreciate about the both of them. Uh, at least uh, this is speaking from someone yeah. who's only seen currently only seen the uh, black and white version of nightmare alley, which uh, gives the movie a much more mm-hmm. dark and like otherworldly feeling. Like it's really well done. It's a really well done black and white version. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, Dune is so like grand and the way that they, show show off a lot of their stuff is really good um my only issue with it is i'm not a huge fan Mm -hmm. of like desert settings so visually this one was always a little right this one was always a little faded to kind of fall out of good graces with me um but i think it is i think it still does a really good job uh and obviously Mm -hmm. i i did just give a lot of praise to nightmare alley so nightmare alley is my current choice yeah um that might change once i see tragedy Mm -hmm. Macbeth. Uh, I will not be watching yeah. West Side Story. I apologize, but that's just ain't gonna happen because <laughs> I just I am not interested. Much like uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to to some extent, if you know you're not gonna like it, I don't I don't think you should watch it. Of course not. Yeah, it's not even but, that I know yeah. I'm not gonna like it or anything. It's just yeah, I just am not interested. Like per- personally, yeah. it's not the kind of movie that. I want to see. So, yeah, you know, I am going to try to watch it. Cause like Steven Spielberg in musicals. Yes, please. But, uh, <laughs> I, all right. So, uh, the only movies in that category that I've seen is Dune. Uh, I have seen the trailers for the other movies and I've seen pictures. Um, and so West Side Story, the cinematography was one of the, I, I think it was one of the like biggest, like, thing going for it in the original like there were a lot of really cool shots uh charging with macbeth i've seen a lot of very good looking shots on on twitter um power of the dog seems a bit like i don't know it's like it's you know it's not bad or anything but it's just a bit more basic i guess flat i understand um a bit yeah less not as oscar worthy um and i'm only i saw the trailer which i there were a few uh, shots in the trailer that I thought the, that I thought were really good looking, especially one. There was one with Bradley Cooper sitting on a chair in a house that was like on fire. Oh yeah, no, those shots I are thought that so shot, good. Yeah, that <laughs> shot was really good. But 
I don't think like if if it's like who we think is gonna win, I don't think any of those movies stand a chance against Dune. Uh, yeah, like, it's pro- probably not. If yeah. Dune, <laughs> if Dune has to win a category, it's this one. Yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah. I'm trying to think. Oh, if we're trying to, if we're also going to be mentioning what we think was snubbed, I'm very surprised that Green Knight mm. isn't in here. Um. Because I think that movie was. Oh, I'm not surprised. I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I'm not surprised, but I guess I'm just. I'm very. <laughs> yeah, I'm very I know I'm, what you're saying. I'm very much like, yeah, it kind of seems like it'd be there. I don't know. I, I think it's. I think it's a pretty good movie uh, visually. It's probably the best thing about that movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, too. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I just. Yeah, I just want to mention, uh, I, I said how the name uh, Bruno Delbonel seemed familiar to me. I googled him. He's the guy who made the cinem- cinematography for Amelie. Oh, really? So, uh, two very aesthetically pretty movies, but in two very different ways. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, moving on to another uh, category that I honestly have no opinion on. Uh, costume design. Same. We have Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. I don't care. I honestly have never cared about this category. It's like the 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 fact that Cruella got a nomination <laughs> is mind blowing to me. But you know, if it had to get in the category, it's like that. Yeah. Um. um yes, yeah, I don't really have an opinion for that either. I either. Let's just move on to directing. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, never mind. I don't have an opinion. All right. I thought I, I thought I could find something, but I generally have no idea what's gonna win for that one. <laughs> yeah. I have no clue. It's gonna be one of those. That's for sure. <laughs> that if there's one thing I can uh, know for sure, it's one of those. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Directing, I'm glad that I'm announcing this one because I said I, I have to talk about this one. So, <laughs> we've got Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I gotta say, this category looks nearly yeah. nothing like I thought it would. In a good way. They snubbed Denis. Bitch. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? For fuck's sake. This. All right. Just. I, go ahead. You got to understand. You got to go off, man. This is. This is my Spencer. This is the one. The one winner that I wanted to see. And he wasn't nominated? Denny motherfucking Villeneuve. And, alright. I've been very, very vocal about how proud I am to ha- to see a Quebecer director being so, having so much success in Hollywood and making such good movies. And yet he's never won an oscar he was nominated for i think was nominated for blade runner maybe for arrival i'm not sure but 
I thought, dude, Dune is like the, a fucking masterpiece. He's got to win that one. This is like the movie he was made to win an Oscar for. And they did not <laughs> nominate him. Dude, they, they, what the fuck? They gave it to, they gave a nominate, nomination to Kenneth fucking Branagh? <laughs> no way for Kenneth Branagh, but like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why? <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> that is that is the most it's like, that is the most French rage I have ever heard. <laughs> like if I had anything to to, to describe that, that is amazing. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that that might be it's one like, of my, that, right. that might be one of my favorite moments of our show. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's it's like all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I have nothing against any of those directors, right? Uh, I'm very happy to see Ryusuke Hamaguchi. That I'm very one, happy to see that one was someone who is not American. That's a surprise, and it's a very good surprise. Oh yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. Fuck yeah, oh, fuck yeah, absolutely, yeah. Paul Thomas um, Anderson. Y- you know, yeah, Jane Campion. Always nice to see a female director. We don't see enough of those. Mm-hmm. We've got two uh, female directors nominated in a, in a two years in a row. That's really fucking cool. Hell yeah, girl power. Steven Spielberg. Yeah, fucking Steven Spielberg. What do you want me to say? You know, it's, it's like, yeah, fucking Steven Spielberg. I don't have anything to say <laughs> besides his name. But like, dude, for fuck's sake, where's Denis? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? He's not here. It's an issue, but he's not here. Oh my god. <laughs> um. Uh, that's a I mean, fucking shame. I mean, all, 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 <laughs> yeah. literally all I have to say mm-hmm. about this category is I think Ryusuke Hamaguchi being there is an extremely pleasant surprise. He did a fantastic yeah. job. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, I'm, I gotta mm-hmm. say, I'm not surprised to see him there, but I am happy. I'm, I'm, happy, uh, I'm happy that he's there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I. I agree. It's, I agree. Though so, I agree that the fact that Denny is not there is mm, is yeah. extre- is extremely like okay, because even if even if I didn't yeah. think Doom was like the be- <laughs> Dune was like the best movie, it is extremely well put together. Sure. And there's no one who can like not admit right. that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if he had been nominated, I obviously would have like wish for him to win but i would have said like if there's any director that could win it's him in that category but since he's not there i'm gonna say that i hope ryusuke hamaguchi wins just for the same reason that i hoped that bong jun ho uh won just because like you know an asian director who directed a movie in asia and not in hollywood being nominated it's always really amazing to see um paul thomas anderson would obviously be cool Mm -hmm. I'm particularly rooting for Ryusuke because I think it's 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 the same situation with Bong Joon Ho and uh, Parasite, is because it's like not only was it an incredibly directed mm-hmm. movie, it's also just a really good movie. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's obviously like you know giving more recognition to international filmmakers, which you know I, I'm a big I'm a big guy for that, more of that. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess uh, to move on to the next category, we have a. Uh, Documentary feature mm. uh, with Ascension, Attica, yep. Flea, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, and Writing with Fire. Uh, genuinely, I am only going to watch Flea and Summer of Soul because my mm-hmm. friend loves Summer of Soul. Yeah. 
I'm only going to watch those two. The others, I, I do not care too much about. Yeah. Unfortunately. But that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Like, it's, it's never a category that I'm very familiar with. The only uh, documentary that I saw this year was Sparks Brothers, uh, which which I knew was, wasn't was going to be nominated because it's not that kind of movie. Right. Uh, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, <clears throat> but... Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing Flea because it's like, it's. I, I'm guessing they're going to be like, oh well, he, the, Flea didn't win animation, so I'm, we're going to give it for a documentary. I'm guessing that's going to be it. I'm thinking Summer of Soul has a big chance because it got a pretty big re- it, that that too. it got a pretty big release here and a release here, and obviously Questlove is a big name, and Questlove like helmed the entire project. Yep. Um. So you know, I think both mm-hmm. of those have a very good shot to win. And I don't know anything about the others, so I can't say. Right. Um, if you just want to quickly go over documentary short subject, unless you have a, a pretty big opinion about it. Hmm. Um, then documentary uh, short subject. We've got Audible, uh, Lead Me Home, The Queen of Basketball, Three Songs of Benazir, and When We Were Bullies. I have not heard of a single one of those because I'm not a documentary guy. And much, unfortunately. and much like uh, every other year, I have also not heard of any of these. Unfortunately, um, yeah. when we were bullies, sounds interesting. I might give it a watch, especially because these are short. Just, just the, especially because it's a short yeah. subject. You know, it, it won't take long. I'll give it a watch. Um, but you yeah, know, sure. <laughs> uh, it's like. <laughs> Every every year for the Oscars, I always have always have a lot of catching up to do to like, you know, follow the the ceremony. And this this is always a category that I can like, you know, don't don't try to catch up because it's you know those films are only going to be nom- nominated for this one category. Yeah. So I prefer spending time to watch like other films that I'm that are going to come back. No, I totally agree. Hmm. Um. But uh, this next mm-hmm. one. This this next one's yeah. big. We got a we got film editing. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read this yeah. one out of order because I uh, I have a lot to say yeah. about one of them. Oh yeah. Um. Uh huh. Go ahead. Yeah. We have we have Dune edited by Joe Walker. Mm-hmm. We have King Richard edited by Pamela Martin. We have The Power of the Dog uh, edited by Peter Skibaris. We have Tick Tick Boom uh, edited by uh, Myron Kirstein and uh, Andrew uh, Weisblum, and we have fucking Don't Look Up, edited by Hank Corwin. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Don't Look Up, really? <laughs> Best editing, uh, dude. That movie. They, they. It's not even that it's because it's a bad movie. That movie is horrendously edited. Oh my god. They. Oh, do you know what they did? What? They pulled the Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh my god, they totally did. Okay, here's the... They, they did exactly the same thing as Bohemian Rhapsody. Here's the baffling thing about Don't Look Up For Me yeah. Right Now. It does this thing mm-hmm. that is so goddamn annoying. And I don't know if I mentioned this when I was talking about how much I don't like this movie. They do this thing like five times throughout the movie where they put in random stock footage for no reason and call it a scene transition it's the most insane thing i've ever seen oh that's weird it's really (laughs) bad it's like really bad like i i honestly am more baffled about this than bohemian rhapsody 
obviously bohemian rhapsody yeah. was a horribly edited movie but jesus yeah, yeah, christ sure, yeah. really <laughs> i'm sure hank corwin's a talented guy i'm sure he's done some great editing in the past but oh my god i am googling him right now but, oh my god really <laughs> i'm gonna have a lot to say about don't look up in a few minutes but um <laughs> yeah but this is absolutely insane give it to dune i haven't seen any of the others so i don't know like Give it to Dune. Do uh, not give it to Dune. Do not give um, it. Don't look up. <laughs> so from the looks of it, he's mainly edited like uh, Adam McKay movies. Oh, he did uh, The Big Short. He did Vice. He also did The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick. Oh, oh, uh, really? Why not? Oh, he did. He did also The New World and uh, Song to Song, which I've heard is really bad, but that's another thing. Okay. Um. Uh, and that's uh, he did other films that I'm not. Oh, he did the Jimi Hendrix biopic, which my brother has been telling me how like how horrible it is. Oh God! So, oh. <laughs> yeah. Move on. We're moving on. Uh, yeah. Inter- uh, international feature in- film. International. Let's go. International feature film. That's a good this. one. I love that's this a good category. one. <laughs> I am loving this right now. Yeah. So man. we got Drive My Car, obviously. Got Flea, so Drive My Car from Japan, Flea from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, which I'm not familiar with. Neither am I. Uh, uh, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, which again, not heard of. That sounds And we got the worst. That that sounds absolutely insane. Go on to the next one. (laughs) That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. We've got the worst person in the world from Norway. I have not seen this movie yet, but I'm so excited to see it. (laughs) I... Have I want to watch it so bad? It's it seems so good. I've heard, I've heard by so many people that it's like the best film of twenty twenty one. Oh yeah, I've heard that too. It's it's, it's getting a U.S. theatrical yeah. release uh, pretty soon. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm really I'm really wanting to go out and see it because uh, I've seen so many good things. I saw the trailer. I really liked it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm really excited to see that one. Uh, for now, though, I'll give it to the only yeah. one I've seen, which is Drive My Car. And I would be very surprised if anything topped that. Uh, but, you know. I I generally don't know which is... I'm, I'm guessing it's I, it's in between Drive My Car and The Worst Person in the World. I generally don't know who's going to win. Yeah. But it's got to be one of them. Um, oh, shit. What was I? Oh, yeah. Um, recently, I, got, I found a video that was an in- interview of Viking Trier who's the, the guy who directed The Worst Person in the World, and he was talking about his previous movies, and honestly, like, I'm going to have to check them out. Oh, yeah. Because they look very, very good. I, I'm pretty uh, sure uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi uh, also directed another, th- uh, like, really long feature in 2021. Like, the same year as Drive My Car. So the fact that he what? did both of those in, like, a very short time span, crazy stuff. But I'll update more on that once I've seen the other one he's done, which I believe is called Wheel of Fortune. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. But Wheel, all right, I have it, I have it in front of me. Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, and it's a two-hour long movie. That's still pretty so like, long. <laughs> that considering they made it another three-hour long movie, that's insane. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I guess that's it for that category. Yeah, uh, and now we have uh, makeup and hairstyling. Uh, with the nominees mm-hmm. coming to America, <laughs> Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. 
I have no opinion. First time, first time seeing House of Gucci on the on the list. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this so, is the only pretty... time. <laughs> um, yeah, but House of Gucci, probably. but House of Gucci, uh, they made Jared Leto look like a old Italian man. So you know, <laughs> that goes for this... something, I guess. You know, you know what this category is. This is exactly the same thing as a few years ago when they nominated uh, the Eleventh Hour with. Uh... Uh, uh, Gary Oldman as Winston Churchill, which is the only reason why it's nominated is because a character has very, uh, like, face-changing um, makeup. Uh, and honestly, I'm going to give it to House of Gucci just for that, because, like, you know, I, I've i heard a lot of bad stuff about the makeup in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, really? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I've heard that it looks pretty bad. Uh, Coming to America and Cruella are kind of like the random movies in the list. And Dune, there's a lot of good stuff about Dune. Makeup and hairstyling is not the thing that is like, whoa. Yeah, that's no, yeah. like what? <laughs> Contact lenses for the blue eyes. Is that all? Is that all? Is that all? Like, from what I know, that that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it to House of Gucci just for that. Yeah. Um, so now we've got, uh, best original score. So we've got, um, Don't Look Up, uh, scored by Nicholas Brittel, Dune, scored by Hans Zimmer, Encanto, scored by Jermaine uh, Franco, Parallel Mothers, scored by Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog, scored by, uh, Johnny Greenwood. Um, there is a, a clear winner there is. for me in that category. There's a clear winner um, because it's... there's one there's one movie that's left out. But go ahead. Hmm? I think I think there's a pretty big snubbing uh, here, at least in at least in my opinion. But uh, obviously, I think Dune is the pretty clear cut winner I... here. Um, I I don't know what movie you're talking about right now. To be honest, I'm talking about Spencer, uh, but. Uh, oh, it, it was another. Right. It was another score done by Johnny Greenwood, which I have not heard the Power of the Dog score, obviously. Um, right. But uh, but Johnny Greenwood uh, in Spencer, he, the score is like haunting. It's really good. Um, oh. I don't, I'm not one to usually right. like remember the score of a movie unless it's like exceptionally mm-hmm. good or exceptionally bad. So you know, I think that should have at least been nominated. Yeah. But I. It's not. It, I got my Spencer nomination, which was Kristen Stewart. I didn't even care about it being in Best Picture or not. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, um, obviously, don't for, don't for look, me, don't look up as a laughing yeah. stock of a nomination. But <laughs> is well, I mean, is this is the score bad or uh... it's just nothing? <laughs> like there's just there's just oh, nothing right. to say. <laughs> hmm. Um. I mean, yeah. for me, like, Hans Zimmer. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Obviously. Like, I've, I've, the, just, like, how much I felt the bass in the theater. That, like, that's kind of <laughs> stupid to say, but, like. I understand. You know, just, and just in general, like, I, just from the trailer, uh, there was, like, this chant in the trailer that I thought was, like, I don't know, that immediately put me in the vibe of, Doom. Mm-hmm. And I know I've heard from interviews that Hans Zimmer was very uh, inspired by this movie and that he like 
they weren't even done with uh, the first movie that he was already started uh, starting to, to write music for the second movie. Just, just to show like how inspired he was by that. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna, definitely going to give it to Hans Zimmer. Um, I would probably give it to Hans Zimmer as well. Uh, but uh, music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's for uh, best music original song. We have a uh, "Be Alive" mm-hmm. from King Richard. Uh, we have a uh, "Dos." I'm sorry if I mispronounced this. Uh, "Dos uh, Oruguitas" uh, from Encanto, uh, which is uh, not the choice I would have had. Um, obviously, I probably I probably would have chosen. Um, yeah, <laughs> I probably would have chosen Bruno, but that's because it's really the only song i enjoy listening to from encanto not not that the rest are bad or anything it's just my personal favorite uh down to joy from belfast uh no time to die from no time to die uh somehow you Mm -hmm. do uh from four good days which i've never heard of four good days before this um so neither so um the only one i've heard is dos orguitas so i'd probably say that one I wouldn't actually no. I've heard "No Time to Die." It's a it's a Billie Eilish song. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. There's yeah. not really much else I can say. It's not even like a particularly like experimental Billie Eilish song. It's pretty by the numbers what Billie Eilish would usually do. Not that well, it's bad or anything. It's just I well not much. I I, I would actually d- disagree. Now that's all right. Here comes the small singing analysis part of the video. Oh, but... go ahead. With Billie Eilish, we're used with, with a very uh, soft voice. Some will say a whisper voice yes. uh, that she that is so like iconic with her. But for that, um, for for that song, especially at the end, the, the last one of the song, she really like used a lot more of a belting technique, which is like when you're singing high, yeah, chest notes. If like I'm, you know, you know what I mean, right? Yes, I, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, which is not typical of her, and I thought that that sounded really good. But besides, yeah, I mean, it's, also, it's, like, not uh, not as electronic as her usual stuff. Yeah, that uh, too. It's more orchestral, I, yeah. which fits very well, I, I feel, with her voice. I was, so I, was I, mainly, I would actually say that it's not... I was, yeah. mainly, I was mainly talking mean, yeah. in the uh, in the melody uh, of her voice in the track. So I thought it was. I thought it was much oh, more. Yeah. Oh yeah. I thought it was much more like reminiscent of her songs, like uh, like Lovely or like uh, or some other like mm. tracks, like When the Party's Over. Like I thought it was very typical of those tracks, but yeah. mainly, I mainly pay attention to that stuff because melody melody is really the only thing that I, I I am proficient at with music in terms of recognizing. <laughs> mm. The other stuff I'm kind All of right. hazy on. <laughs> Sure. Um, um, yeah, I'm gonna give it to. Um, I don't know. I'm. I really don't know which one's gonna win. Yeah, neither do I. I think it's a. It's a pretty big toss up this year. I guess we'll we'll have to see. Um, I was wondering. You know what? what I like a- Eilish. I'm gonna give it to her. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a good choice. Um, I was gonna ask you if you wanted to save best picture for last because I know that's on the la- the the next part of the list. Uh, yeah. Was, you want to save that for last? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I I mean I'd like to. Yeah. So I mean you can still read it. I don't care what turn we're on, but uh, I just feel like we should get through the rest of them. You sure. Um. 
So yeah, uh, I mean the the other ones are a bit more. Uh, oh well, there there is writing though. Oh yeah, writing is like a very important. That's a one. that's a big one. So that's a big one. So hold on, uh, pro- production design. Yeah, God Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Kind of always the same movies. Yeah. Um, as usual. Um, I'd pr- I'm. I'd probably have to go with Dune. I mean, it's not it's not that big of a, yeah. not that big of an opinion, I guess. But uh, you know, Nightmare Alley, I thought was really well put together. But you know, Dune was just so massive in scale that it's kind of hard to deny it. Um, I can't really say much though mm-hmm. for the other three nominees because I haven't seen them, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess we'll have to see with that. Right. Um. We could we can skip both short film uh, categories. Yeah, like, I haven't seen any of them. Um, I don't know them. Yeah, very sorry to all yeah. the short film movies. Yeah, very. I mean, good. I always think it's awesome when short films get into the Oscars. It's just like, I love that category. I love seeing that kind of yeah. stuff get spotlighted. But unfortunately, I just haven't seen any of them, and I don't think you have either. Um. No. Um. But I guess, you know, we could go through sound, uh, which is the next category after that, which is yeah. uh, Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Uh, I didn't think any of them were exactly related uh, in terms of like, or, uh, okay, that, uh, that, was a, that was a weird, yeah. that was a weird choice of words. I don't know why I said that. Um, I was going to say, I don't know. I, when I think of those movies, the first thing that does not come to mind was, was man, the sound is really good. I never notice it unless that, yeah, that's I the mean, purpose of sound in a movie is that you don't you're not really supposed to notice it because if you yeah. notice that the sound in the movie yeah, that, is there yeah that is true it's probably pretty bad like if you if you're thinking about the sound <laughs> yeah it's probably not good um, unless unless you're you're like an audio engineer nerd oh yeah who's like really into the so, I mean I'm sure I'm sure there are people like that of course I'm sure they exist yeah. Uh, so that that's a category for them, but that's not a category that we are really like. Yeah, not, not the, the right people to describe. Not, yeah, not exactly well versed. So, <laughs> yep. Um, but go ahead. So with visual visual effects. We got all right. That, oh man, that's a crazy one. We've got dude. We've got free guy. We've got no time to die. Uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the, Legend of the Ten Rings and Spider Way No Way Home. All right, all right, that's a crazy one. That is okay. So first of all, free um, free guy. So do okay. We'll we'll get to that. Dune, uh, I think is I think I think it belongs <laughs> yeah. there uh, because I, I love the. I think it's amazing. I love the sense of scale that everything has. The sandworms are insane mm-hmm. looking. Um, uh, Spider-Man: yeah. No Way Home obviously does a great job. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings was kind of dodgy at times with their uh, CGI, but it wasn't bad or anything. Uh, no Time to Die. Yeah. W- how? The visual effects are barely does it, noticeable. Does it even have CGI? Nah, it's. Yeah. I mean, of course it has CGI, but like none of it's noticeable. Well, to a, yeah. To a point. Like, to a point where I'm like. It's the same thing as yeah, to, to a point where I'm like, oh, look at that. No, I had nothing there really. Free guy though, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free guy, <laughs> um, yeah. Free guy is by no means a terrible movie. I think it's, I think it's just below average. Um, visually though, 
I, what? It's just, <laughs> it doesn't stand out. I don't really remember anything from Free Guy, if I'm being honest. Like, I, like thinking about Free Guy right. right now, nothing really sticks out in my mind as, like, really, like, oh my god, that was so good, that scene in Free Guy. Or that visual effect in Free Guy. Uh-huh. So none of it, none of it really gets me. I'm like, oh yes, <laughs> but yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um. So you know, I don't know. Um. I'd probably say either Dune or Spider-Man No Way Home. Um. Yeah, I know a lot of people are gonna be rooting for Spider-Man No Way Home, but I'm gonna give give it to Dune. Oh yeah, I think uh, I think Dune. If- I think Dune did more with their visual effects. That's what I'll. That's yeah, what I'll say. but honestly, honestly though, if Spider-Man No Way Home wins, I'm not gonna be mad. Oh, neither am I. I'm gonna like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So then we've got both writing categories. Okay. Um. Do I? What? Which? Whose turn is it? I lost track. Is it mine? Uh, it's your turn. Okay. Uh, writing adapted screenplay. We have Coda. Uh, screenplay by uh. Oh boy, uh, I'm sorry, Sian Peter. I'm so sorry, my guy. All right, yeah. Uh, drive I think my it car. It might be Sean. Sean. It could be Sean. Uh, drive. It might be. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, drive my car. Screenplay. Screenplay by uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi and uh, uh, Takamasa Oe. It's. I mean, I like that choice. Dune, screenplay by John uh, mm-hmm. Spates, uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, and Eric Roth. Uh, the Lost Daughter, written by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, and The Power of the Dog, written by Jane Campion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's pretty obvious where I stand. Drive my car. Yeah. Really good. It's really well written. Honestly. Really, well, re- yeah, we'll really see, well written. Yeah. <laughs> From from what I know, I I've heard that it's a very like screenplay based oh, yeah. movie, so it would make sense to give it to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one the only one that I've seen are Dune and The Lost Daughter, and I I would give it to The Lost Daughter before giving it to Dune because Dune is not a movie where like the dialogue is the most important part. It's more, yeah. um, you know, what you what it makes you feel, you know, desert or something like that, desert huh? power. <laughs> desert spice yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, desert power that the, the, that, that was the thing my friends that are recording like the week after we saw dune was just always whenever we see each other desert power would come out somehow <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> um <laughs> and then we've got uh writing Oh shit! All right, uh, we got Belfast by Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> Don't Look Up by screenplay by Adam McKay, uh, story by Adam McKay and David Sirota, King Richard written by Zach Balin, Licorice Pizza written by Paul Thomas Anderson, Ooh. and The Worst Person in the World written by Eskil Vogt and Joaquin Trier. Woo! Hell yeah! yeah. Hell yeah! Those last two, I'm, those last two I'm nominees voting. are great. I am voting for the worst person in the world, even though I haven't seen I haven't seen a single one of those movies. Um, I'm voting for worst person in the world. I'd probably say Licorice Pizza, even though I don't think that the story is the strongest thing about it. Um, I'll still have to see the worst person in the world, and I'll give an update when I have seen it. Um, don't look up. No. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess that uh, <laughs> yeah. that only leaves uh, one category. 
Yeah. Which is, it's the big one. It's the big the boy. The big one. It's the one that everyone always remembers <laughs> from, from, the, from the Oscars. Yeah. Would you like to take it away? Well, we can do... It's eight movies, so we can do half. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah You do the first four, right. I'll do the... I'm, I'm going to start. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not gonna gonna say every name for for like the nominees because oh, yeah. that's a lot. This was but, a lot. <laughs> so we got um, so we got Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car. Uh, hold on, it's more it's more than oh it's how many oh, it's, uh, it's oh, nine I think. All right. Uh, oh no, actually wait, no, it's is it is it ten? Do we have ten Best Picture nominees? It's ten. Ooh! We've got ten Best Picture nominees. So Belfast. Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, uh, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Um, so kind of the, the 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 expected ones. Yes, um, I'm very happy that Drive My Car got a nomination, and that's what I'm going to be rooting for this time mm-hmm. around. Obviously, I assume that right. you're on the Dune train. I am, yeah. Yeah, which is not a it's not a bad uh, it's not a bad choice at all. Um I mean we can all agree that it's a really good movie. Yes. Uh uh I I do kind of wish that the worst person in the world had been nominated instead of like don't look up. Uh, <laughs> uh oh um, my God. but I mean we we've already got one <laughs> we've already got one foreign movie, so that's already good. Yes. Like compared to previous uh, ceremonies. Yeah, that's. Uh, do you, do you want to go? What's that? Do, do you want to go into? Do you want to? Do you want to go into? Don't look up. Or <laughs> oh, uh... Phil, I'd love to. Um, <laughs> holy shit, dude! Are you serious? Oh my god! Don't look up in the best picture category. That is insane. The yeah. Okay. Literally, the, the editing is awful. The comedy does not land at all. The main performers are not good. Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the only one, and it's because he's Leonardo DiCaprio. Of course he's going to be good. Jennifer Lawrence isn't good. Mark Rylance is awful. It's, oh my god, the writing. How did it get best writing? How did it get in here? Timothy Chalamet shows up for eight minutes and is not good at all. What the hell? Yeah. Whole plot lines are it, Can I just whole, say whole plot lines are introduced and then just let go in this two and a half hour long movie. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> you you did make me think. Isn't it weird that? Timothy, Timothy Chalamet wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah, that's actually pretty insane. He, he was he was in a lot of big like, movies this year. He was in a lot of stuff. Like first of all, I all right, I kind of get why Dune wasn't really like the 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 I don't know not, not the thing that I would give that I would have uh, given him an Oscar. Oh yeah, neither uh, neither would have I. But but hold on. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. oh, oh, holy shit! Do you realize that the French Dispatch was completely snubbed? Yeah, that was something else I was going to talk about. <laughs> the French Dispatch was completely snubbed, Fuck. as was uh, the Last Duel. Yeah. But I'm not surprised about the Last Duel because yeah. 
Ridley Scott was not was not pushing that one. He was pushing House of Gucci, and it still didn't yeah. get nominated for much. <laughs> yeah, it got it got makeup, and it got what else did it get? Uh, oh, it only got makeup. It got one nomination. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of weird, yeah. though, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, there are so yeah. many movies. There was, hold on, let, let me look at the uh, what was snobbed. There's literally so many um, movies you could have put ahead of "Don't Look Up" in the Best Picture category. Yeah. You could have had, you could have had French Dispatch. You could have had Spencer. You could have had, hang on. <laughs> mm. You could have had. You could have had Titan. Titan didn't even get nominated. And it won the Palme d'Or. No, he got nothing. It yeah, no, that's what I was I was thinking. Palme he got the Palme d'Or. Excuse and he got me. I said that. Nothing. Wrong. <laughs> um This is fine. I um, forgive you. <laughs> but yeah, no, it won that and it got nothing. Uh Last Night in Soul got nothing, but am I surprised? Oh, I'm not surprised. No. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Um, um I just I'm so happy that Drive I, My Car is there because honestly if Drive My yeah. Car wasn't there, I don't think I'd care. <laughs> I I did not expect that at all. Yeah. I never that and the worst person in the world never saw that. I never saw it coming. Never saw it coming. I will say, um, um another mm-hmm. another personal snub, I think, for the um mm-hmm. best animated feature was the fact that uh both uh Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 was not nominated, you know probably the biggest animated film of the year you know scale wise and it still wasn't nominated but that's fine and bell with mamoru uh directed by uh, mamoru osada who directed another oscar nominated anime film i was very well i wasn't very surprised that it didn't get nominated but i was i was a little not i was a little upset about it um but it's like i I, I will say all of these movies not even a Mm -hmm. word yeah (laughs) yeah um, I, I I will say, like, I could have seen Bell. I could have seen that oh, being yeah. nominated. Evangelion wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> Evangelion was never happening. Never. Never in never. a million years. Never was happening. But Bell could have, and it didn't. Oh, <laughs> Bell could have. I'm really definitely. mad about that. I, I God, I was just thinking about yeah. how much I want to get that when it comes out the other day. I'm very excited for Bell's release. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, this yeah. one... Best picture is it's don't get me wrong, we got some good players here. Yeah. Like Dune, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, all good movies. Yeah. Um obviously I haven't seen any of the others. So or I mean I've seen Don't Look Up, right. but it's a bad choice. Honestly though, if I'm being honest, that might be the worst choice the Oscars have made in a nomination that I've seen in my lifetime. Like in terms of best picture nomination, yeah. Definitely. There's no way. Like even I'm I'm sure there's worse. I'm sure I'm there's sure worse. Dig and find I'm sure there's worse, but there can't be much more. Like yeah. Like I remember I thought Green Book at the time was like a very strange yeah. choice to win best picture. If Don't Look Up wins best mm. picture, oh my god. Okay. You know what? Here's yeah. a, here's a promise. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I, yep. I, I, 
I really shouldn't be the I, I really should be the I really shouldn't be the bet making remem- man. Remember the Joker. I remember the Joker, but I'm willing to st- I'm really I'm willing to stake it on this. Okay. I mean, I think if I think you're safe. If don't look up with don't look up, I think you're you're safe. If don't look up wins best picture, I will stream myself watching yeah. it for 24 hours. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. There's no right. way. There's And just by saying no that way. and just there's by saying no that I've willed it into existence. <laughs> Dude, we have jinxed the fuck out of that. Oh, we have. Oh my god. No. Um <laughs> Um I'm just looking at the other movies to see like if there was any other snubs that we didn't mention. Right. Pig was not nominated, but that's a surprise to no one. Uh, like, I never saw it. Being, like, not that it's a bad I haven't seen it, but it's just not the type of movie that was going to get nominated. I what, think it's too... What movie? Pig. Oh, yeah, no, Pig. Yeah, Pig wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't really surprise me. No. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, I've heard that was good, I think. I've heard the same. Annette didn't win it. Annette got nothing. That's Red right. Rocket got nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, Red Rocket is a pretty recent movie, but still, it's like, you know, uh, the fl- did the Florida, Florida Project get anything? I know Willem Dafoe was nominated because he's Willem Dafoe. Are you talking about like in? I think the, that's pretty much the, all. Are you talking about the, like in the previous years? Uh the the Florida Project. Yeah. Are you talking about like, yeah, it, like being, it, it being snubbed in the past? Oh, no! But I was just comparing like, uh, if, oh, uh, Florida Pro- Project was also snubbed compared to uh, Red Rocket. Yeah, Florida got same yeah, Florida Project got not got snubbed that year. I remember. I think Willem got nominated. I yeah. think I, I can't be too sure. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. Um, Land didn't get anything, but like. Did you expect it? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lamb, lamb. I was gonna say lamb was fine. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. I, I was gonna say we got nothing from any like horror movies. That is also which, not again, surprising. <laughs> not, not, unfortunately, not surprising. But still, still, that's yeah, that's a shame. It's a shame. I'm. It's kind of a shame that they snubbed Dear Evan Hansen. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you really caught me off guard with that one <laughs> it's like i'm looking at the 21 movies on letterbox and i saw them and was like oh shit yeah that came out this year <laughs> oh god you got me on that one that's great like i was i was really i was really listening uh I was I was like I was like really listening. I'm like I'm like really expecting like okay he's gonna bring up like a really good contender here, <laughs> and, then, and then that Dear Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen, yes sir. Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, but I. I don't know unless unless you got something. That's kind of all I had to say for today's uh, podcast. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's all I had to say. Yeah. 
I mean, we're at like two hours and fifteen minutes. Yeah, we're so. at we're at the. I usual think we've got time a decent anyway. length episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, I guess we should get into uh, next week's movie. Um. Yeah. So, let me let me put them all on the randomizer, and let me all click. Right. Okay, it is. It is. Oh. It's a. Uh, it's her. Uh, 2013's oh. her starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix. All right. Yeah. So that. Yeah, I was thinking about this movie recently. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be a good. Uh, now that I think about it, it'd be a good like late Valentine's Day episode for us, <laughs> since we didn't talk about yeah. Valentine's Day or, or do anything Valentine's Day related, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we did expect this episode to come to come out. It's true. A week earlier, so. yeah. Which, you know, there's such is circumstances beyond either of our control uh, that allowed us not to not to film, but mm-hmm. you know, we're here now. And we're going to talk about her yep, so, next weekend. Yeah, directed by uh, Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that. All right. Well, that's that's the episode. Yeah. Thank thanks uh, thanks a lot for watching the episode. Uh, if you liked it, you can like, comment, subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe to our own channels. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, follow us on Twitch as well. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. So thanks again for watching and we'll see you next week to talk about her by Spike Jones. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.